0: Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 58 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Church of Sardis, Part 3, Ten Virgins. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Good morning. Uh, We do welcome you here today. And to those that are watching online also, we're honored that you would take time to be with us as we seek the Lord today. And uh, I... uh, this morning, I had a thought. Well, how can I know without a shadow of a doubt that he is risen? We're taking a book's word for it, people's conversation that it was true. There's even people in another country, which I guess it's there. I've never been there. But uh, so, how can I know he is risen? And the testimony that I have is because I can feel him in my heart. I can feel him in my heart. So therefore, I know without a shadow of a doubt that this morning he is risen. As we're studying this church today, we'll see that evidently they had forgotten that. They had forgotten that he is risen And it's amazing to me how uh, easily I can be taken away from that fundamental thought that He is risen and He is risen in me and that I am not walking this life alone for He walks with me and He talks with me. And uh, to have that awareness is what the church at Sardis lost it's an awareness of what's happening and what selfishness does as we learn in these scriptures the selfishness dulls our awareness and awareness is a uh, it's a fundamental prophetic gift of seeing it's a, a fundamental gift of being able to see into the spirit world and you have to be able to see the the natural world. And you, so therefore you get to see the spiritual world, but awareness, it just so happens to have a spiritual awareness means it's not about you. If you can hear that, it's just to have a spiritual awareness is means that it's not about you. It's not about me. I want to be aware of reality and and, uh, it, and it just so happens the battle in the mind of man is how aware of myself am I and how aware of what's going on around me am I. And there lies a battle, and, and I'm all for inner healing. I'm all for us to get healed by the cross of Christ. I'm for all of those things. But I am not for a lifestyle. Of looking inward at all of our problems, that is not what I see in the scriptures. Now, it just so happens as we're along this journey that we'll see weaknesses in ourselves. The Lord can deal with that, but I am not taking on my own person as a full-time home missions project. That's not the, it's not the idea behind the scriptures. It's. You've heard it said for centuries that you don't get cleaned up and come to the cross. You come to the cross and get cleaned up. You don't get perfected until you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit so you can get cleaned up. And so as we're walking and moving forward in this journey is where the process of inner healing takes place of our hearts. It's because we're moving forward. Your flaws will not show up if you stand still. Can you hear that? They don't show up. You can say you've got a great car in a garage, but until you drive it, you don't know its flaws. I'll also tell you this. The best car you'll ever own is the one that you've got because you already know everything that's wrong with it. It'll take you a minute, but I think you'll get that. And what happens is as we're moving through life and we're walking, God shows us and teaches us things. Well, what happened with the church at Sardis here? It was giving us a sign of something, and the sign was that it was dead. It was a dead church. they say, well, Alan, why don't you give us uh, an Easter teaching or a Resurrection Day teaching? This is a Resurrection Day teaching. And as you look for a teaching to do on a Resurrection Sunday, you can basically go to anywhere in the Bible you want to and use any story because they're all pointed towards the resurrection of Christ and of, and of the Savior. I did have a person told me, he said, I sure hope my preacher teach, preaches on Easter this Sunday. I said, well, does he use the Bible? It's about the only way you could miss it because everything in this book points towards our Savior Jesus is the center of all things, including this book. And so the church at Sardis started missing something. They were known as a, a basically as a dead church. And so we're looking at these churches on how should we react? How should our church look? What should it be like? Well, so far we've seen uh, some things that we are to be like and some things that perhaps we're not to be like and some things that that the angel or reporting from Jesus that he had some problems with it. And here was the scripture that we're using. Uh, the key word, the key prophetic word here is be watchful. And we use that in a parable uh, last week of a householder, and he was to feed, or two weeks ago, feed uh, the household uh, meat. He was to feed them. And he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain That are ready to die, for I have found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If ye therefore shall not watch, so we got two uh, comparisons here: watchful and those that do not watch. So we see two groups of people. That's uh, uh, hopefully that were in this church of Sardis. There were those that are watching; those that were were not watching. So. The word is watch, and we did. We're doing three parables. We're on the second, getting ready to start the third. The three parables tell us what it means to watch. So we see that being watchful is a mindfulness of His return. And I don't know how to to expand that. I wish I could somehow explode that in our hearts to be mindful. In other words. Everything, everything we're doing today as we go through, day, through our days, are we mindful? Are we mindful that Christ is with us? Are we mindful that we're here for a purpose? Are we mindful of these things? And the question is, in a day's time, how much of your time is given to and devoted to that that is temporal? And how much of your day and your time do you give to that which is eternal? That's a good question to ask ourselves, because those things that are temporal will all pass away. Now, I'm not saying we're not to give some attention to it. Of course we are. But it just so happens we tend to give 99% of our time to the temporal and 1% of our time to the spiritual. And truthfully, the spiritual is the only thing that will last. So we see we've got these three parables, same subject. Three different approaches, parable of the household, parable of the ten virgins, which we're on now, the parable of the talents, which will be next. All three parables are to empower one word that Jesus gave his disciples, and that one word was to watch. So he gave these parables. I'm hoping that the word watch takes on a greater spiritual meaning to you. Because to watch is a position of being mindful of what's going on around you. And I'm saying a biblical word of mindfulness. To watch means you are mindful to what's going on around you. Now, it is the one command Jesus gives us to those that are waiting. The one thing. One thing he said, you watch. So, everything that happens to the Christian is done through this filter of watching for his return. That is what guides us and gives us our mindset of the day. If we do not understand the parables, we will not watch the way he tells us. Now, if we do not watch, we will be be deceived. The key of Matthew 24 and 25 is what we're doing. Now, these two verses, um, 24 speaks about, as in the days of Noah, that's my our main verse. We've been going over now for over six months, seven months. It's uh, Matthew twenty-four and twenty-five. Is that is the age between the time the Lord said these words and the time He would come again? It is an age of deceit. That's just the time we're living in. I know everybody wants it to be Disney World in the spirit, but that is not the time we're living in now. We went into the start of the Ten Virgins uh, last week, what to do while watching and waiting. We went into the Ten Virgins. The first one, of course, was about the householder who fed everyone in the household. And when you saw that was the Word of God, the ways of God that were being taught. So one way, and you've got to see the red thread, we call it through the parables here, on how that this, it starts off with being fed the Word of God. This next parable, the Ten Virgins, is about being oil in your lamp which we see that the oil in the lamp is the food that came out of the householder. Now, the food, you can say, well, is that just the Word of God? Well, uh, yes and no. It is the Word of God that's being fed. But you cannot make a distinction between the Word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's no distinction. You can't make a distinction between the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the person Jesus Christ. You can't you you can't divide it up, and I know as believers we tend to say, "Oh, this was the Holy Spirit," and I understand it. We all, are, oh, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, yeah, but it's also Jesus is in the house. Right. You see, you can't differentiate. Uh, it's Jesus is in the house, and why? Does it, a lot of times we'll say, "Well, do you have a, a biblical precedence for that? Is it in the Word of God?" Well, well, yeah, and here it is. Because and why? Because the Word is here, and the Spirit's here, and. And the person Jesus is here. You can't, diff- why do you like to a lot of times have this the word of God to give you a precedence for what we're saying and doing what we're doing is because we know that that is Jesus. That's why. It's not this is a book and the Holy Ghost is over here in a cloud and then Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. I mean, that's our visual concepts, but they're all, if you see one, you see the other. If you see one... You see the other, you know. That's just. Can I fully understand that? No, I cannot. Uh, the closest I ever come to understanding, which I heard when I was a little boy, the way the Trinity was explained to me, it's like water H two O. You either you have hard uh, ice, you have uh, vapor steam, and of course you have the liquid, which is water. In other words, you have three different forms of the same uh, the same H two O. I mean, I I can get that. That's about the closest I can. I can get to it, but that is three different different concepts of the same thing. So now the parable of the ten virgins is next in calling us to be watchful. Now we want to look at this pretty closely. We're going to dive in it deep. I, I was in a conversation this past week where uh, uh it was the statement was made. Well, let's not get into the scriptures too deep lest we get into heresy. Well, I want to inform you, you can't go too deep on the scriptures. And, and I'll tell you this, you'll never exhaust them. You'll never get to the end of scripture. You can dive deep as you want to, but you better hold your breath because it's a deep one. It's a, You can't go too far in the word of God. It's just, it's, I mean, you might go too far, but you can't go too far. He said this uh, in Matthew 24. Uh, it says, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. Now, this is right before... Uh, Twenty-four and twenty-five of Matthew, uh, and uh, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, "Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sight of our coming and the end of the world?" And Jesus answered and said unto them, "Take heed that no man deceive you." So we know that this that this time, from he gave the parables until now, is this time of in between, which deception is before us. Now it's I can I can tell you. What deception looks like. Uh, in other words, if, if we have a, a pastor that says uh, that embraces transgenderism or homosexuality as an acceptable uh, lifestyle, style, uh, I come to the conclusion that he is deceived. Now, you, you got to go a little further. Who, well, is he a believer or is he not a believer? Does him being deceived now make him a non-believer? Well, in some cases, yes. But the truth is, he wasn't probably a believer to start with because there is going to be a crowd that's thrown into a fire that looks like a believer, but it's not a believer. But the next question is, well, can a believer be deceived? A believer can be deceived. So if I use my own mind and my own understanding, then if that's the premise on, why, on how I behave, then I could be deceived. But if I use the Word of God, guess what? If I use the Word of God as my premise of conversation or my stand, it's not a lot of times, it's not even things that I've been so persuaded of. I just know what the Word of God says. And whether or not I am personally persuaded of that, I have noticed that when I'm not personally persuaded for, perhaps of something, that I don't have the full understanding of it. And uh, my heart goes out to the homosexual community and transgenders and all, all of the above. Uh, but I understand how deceptive sin is. And, and the key to, to a demon, the key is... A demon has to persuade you that that's who you are. Can you hear me? When you allow, and there you got to use your own brain. So when you when you're persuaded of this is who you are, then you've been deceived by a demon. Now, when the word of God persuades you of who you are, then you have been led by the Spirit. And you say, well, Alan, I've not been deceived at homosexuality. Well, that's fine. Uh, But do you go around condemning yourself all the time of what you're not? When the Bible clearly says what you are. What's the difference? Wrong definition. I've got my own personal definition of who I'm. You see, to live unto the definition that God says who we are is the very act that brings it about. I remember Bob Jones, I heard a couple times somebody come up to him and this one person said, well, Bob, I heard when you were a sinner, you did this and that and whatever. Is that true? Bob said, no, that's not true. He said, but I did know of a man that did such things. I didn't know of a man. What does that mean? That means he's taken on the definition of Christ. Can anybody feel what I'm saying? So we can talk about a transgender or a homosexual not accepting the word of God of who they are, but my question, do you? Do you walk in that? And The question is not how bad you are if you're a homosexual or if you're, uh, I don't know if that's uh, the problem with sexual sins is you don't accept who God says you are. And now, the, and the problem with walking in the Spirit, with not walking in the Spirit, is because we are in self, we're under this self-condemnation of who we're not. Now, it's hard to understand, but that type of condemnation is not from the Lord And it is not to bring definition into who you are. You can say, well, Alan, I've been divorced. I've been divorced. Alan, I stole candy out of a grocery store, walking out with Mama when I was five years old. Stole a piece of candy. I've never forgotten it. I hope y'all are prophetic enough to know I'm talking about me. I'll just let you in on that. <laughs> so what happens? Does that define who I am? No. It's true. I'm a thief. Now I was five years old, he come in my package early. It did. It was amazing what I thought I could get by with, I felt like was right, and what I felt like I got caught at, I felt like was wrong. But it's amazing how we still carry this over in today's thinking as a Christian. Well, I got by with that, so I guess it's okay with God, right? We still use that kind of, and as long as we're under that self-condemnation, we will continually repeat it. In other words, you, you we live unto whom we're going to be, not unto who we are. And when we live unto whom we're going to be, then we leave who we are. It's the ways of the spirit. Now, Matthew twenty-five, thirteen. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So there again we have it again. To watch. It is over and over. Now, Matthew 25, we're going to read it right quickly, the 10 virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like. Can anybody see that? The kingdom of heaven will be likened unto 10 virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish, and they that were foolish took their lamps, took no oil, but the wise took oil in their vessels were with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarrieth, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was uh, a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now those that didn't take any oil with them, who, who are they? i am to give you a hint. A virgin that did not take any oil with them, they thought they were wise. Now here's what happens. When you get to a point that you think you already know everything, your thought pattern stops and you don't think on through what you don't know. If you're sitting here and you think you pretty much know everything, you're in an elementary state of Christianity. Say, well, Alan, you can't teach me anything. Well, I maybe can't, but the Holy Ghost can. But if you're sitting there thinking you already know everything, You're this big spiritual person. You already know everything. So a point of a, one of the virgins that lamps had all in it, it was because they were always in this mindset of being taught and hearing from the spirit. When you think you know everything, you cut off the oil. Somebody's guilty. Say amen. Okay. Are you with me? It's very important that we keep this place of humility. You might know a lot. You don't know everything. Chances are you've already burned up the oil that you know. So you need oil that you don't know. Anybody get a witness? Because the oil we pour out of what we've learned and the Holy Ghost has given us. And that's good, but that is spent all. So therefore we can constantly daily be taught by the Holy Spirit and as we're taught by the Holy Spirit, there's all going in. You know, has anybody ever got $100 and spent it 10 times? <laughs> all of us have, right? We spend it 10 times. We do the same thing with the anointing. We get one anointing and we want to spend it 10 times. Have you ever noticed when you share with somebody what the Holy Ghost did, it's impactful? It's got power. Have you ever noticed that? Then by the time you share it the third or fourth time, it just kind of falls flat. Come on, do you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Then you start trying to hype up the story a little bit to get the same. You spent the anointing. Why does the Bible say if you got an alt against somebody, you're to go to them? Well, first we got to run it by three or four or five people. First, spend the anointing. Go to the person. They don't hear a word you said. Why? Because you spent the anointing. That's what convicts and converts the heart. So the enemy is constantly trying to get us to do that. Also, the enemy tries to get us, let's say the Lord speaks us to pray for somebody or something. we lean over to our friend or husband or wife. I think the Lord's telling me to go say this, Yeah, 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 yad. And then they go over there and it's just flat as a flitter. You just poured your oil out on the wrong person. Now you got to catch what I'm saying, all right? You got to catch what I'm saying. It's important that we deliver the oil to whom we're supposed to deliver it. It's important that that anointing comes. A lot of times people come up to share something, and as we do it, most people come to me and say, well, "Alan, I got something to say," and I'll and I'll say, "Can you give me just a little idea?" And they'll start, and then I'll stop them. Which once is, you know, if it's, I just do that. But I'm very mindful that they don't spend it. Can you hear what I'm saying? Very mindful that it's not spent. So you got these virgins here. You got five uh, that's got oil and five of them's empty. Now let's look at it. And the foolish shed into the wise, give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. But the wise answering said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they were ready and went in to him, to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This parable gives us the idea that you can be watching but have no all. So watching, we learn here that watching in itself does not quite get the job done. But we see that watching is just the first step of getting the job done. A true watcher we'll have a constant filling of all. So we look at our own lives. Am I constantly being filled by the word of God, by the presence of God? Am I mindful of the presence of God? It's the mindfulness of being with him. It is the word going in us that fills us with the all. Now, let's move on. So we got these 10 virgins. Jesus taught in this parable to be personally prepared for his return, personally. Everyone in here, you can't ride on anybody's coattails. Everybody's got it to do with their own. Did you know when you die and leave this earth, you're going to do it alone? The only one's going to be with you is the Lord. That death experience started the day you were born again. You're living your life knowing, being mindful that He is with you always. It's hard to get that oil 30 seconds before you pass. Now, being prepared for that day is the act of being taught, which in turn is being displayed as being filled with oil, which we've already said. Each person must have an adequate supply of oil, which is sufficient to meet the challenges of life while waiting and watching. I found myself not too many weeks ago I was getting disparaging. It was... uh, Discouragement's not the right word. I don't know. I'm not fully sure what all was going on in me. But I knew the answer. And I quit trying to diagnose myself, and I went on to the cure. And I just uh, put my ear pods in and uh, listened to uh, David uh, uh, Jeremiah. I did a, a... or they call it when you splurge on something. Or, 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 binge. I a binge! I binged David Jeremiah. That's very good for your oil being low. By the way, I do recommend binging David Jeremiah. So I binged him for several days and got my oil filled back up. But I knew what was happening was I had poured out and poured out and poured out, and I wasn't pouring in. And you'll run a deficit. You will do that. And then you start trying to operate without the anointing oil. Now that's hard. Now we can fake it. Everybody's usually nice, but they're not re- really receiving anything because you have been emptied. So it's important to have enough sense to pull back when your oil's running low. You gotta have some sense. But, and that takes real time. Takes real time. Now, Jesus said that no one would know his hour of return. In this parable, the bridegroom was late in his arrival. Can you believe that? Jesus was late for his own marriage. So late that all ten bridesmaids uh, fell asleep as they waited. Now, you had five with, five without, but the all ten went to sleep. They got tired waiting, even if they were full of oil. The ten virgins represent the visible church of Christ. Now we're going to look at it and we're going to dissect this thing just a little bit. They are virgins because considered pure, made pure in the blood of the Savior. So we see here that all ten, that's the reason I asked you the question a little bit ago. Each of these virgins has a lamp, Jesus said. You are the light of the world, so do not hide your light under a bushel. So he starts using the term all lamp light. You'll understand this you'll understand the next parable better because you understand this parable. I told you there's three parables here that are all about watching and waiting. This one starts giving reflection into the next one even already. You are the light of the world so do not hide your light under a bushel basket. So we see that the virgins that had all, were individuals who were giving off light. Anybody get that? The five virgins without oil was not giving light to anybody. So what causes the five virgins that have oil to have oil? It's because they were constantly pouring out. A constant pouring out equals a constant pouring in. Are you with me? You don't get full and stop and wait. Wait. That's not the idea here. The idea here is the way that you know that you're full is because you are fully giving out. If you're fully giving out, you're fully taking in. Now, don't come under any condemnation with that statement. Everybody has to have such a relationship with the Holy Ghost that you know where your contentment is in being poured out. Some people, it's a gift of helps. Some people, it can be working in children's church. It can be... It can be it can do a lot of different definitions. I can't tell you what your anointing to pour out looks like. That's where you have to do it as an individual, as this parable gives us indications. We all have to seek the Lord for ourselves and then be poured out. But the pouring out is important so that you can be poured into. Now let's watch it. There's a real spiritual danger in not watching and waiting. This parable shows us that some will grow weary and waiting and will be called. Um, prepared and that's what happens when we start growing weary even though all 10 went to sleep we see wisdom in the vessels carrying the extra oil the lamp in their lamps conveys many meanings we'll look at a few here in both scriptures in uh, early christian tradition olive oil is a symbol of the holy spirit which we all know we use we have oil up here and we anoint people with oil as the bible says when we pray for them Uh, And so we know that that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Olive oil was used for food as well as light and as well as anointing the sick. Now start getting that in your brain. The oil or the Holy Ghost has a lot of different applications. It's good for food, the filling, first parable, householder. It's good for light, ten virgins. And it was used for anointing the sick. Which in the talents, you were given different talents. And if you didn't use the talent, it was taken away. Can you see that? Now, I don't know. I can't scripturally prove this. But I wonder if some of the first five that had no oil, what if they weren't? What if one time they did have oil, but they weren't using the oil, so it got taken away? That's just a question. That is not an answer. So, the proper thing that wisdom says to do is constantly pour out. You don't have to worry about the other one. Look here. The idea of oil for the lamp speaks of the Holy Spirit. It's in Matthew 25, 3 and 4. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their lamps and vessels. All of our gifts flow from the oil. Can you see that? You say, well, Alan, I don't know if I have a spiritual gift or not. I can't tell. Nothing's happening. Well, is there any oil in the lamp to supernaturally make it happen? Come on. You see where this thing's going. You have a gift, but your gift flows out of the oil, out of the anointing. So if you feel like your gift is not flowing, it's not working, check your oil. Put your dipstick in. See if you're a half court low or something. Check your oil. Because it comes out of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Everything flows through that. The Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, to have the companionship of the Holy Spirit is the most important thing we can do. This is the most overlooked, believe it or not. We can come in here on Sunday, feel the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is in this place. We can feel His presence. But the question is, can you feel His presence going down the road in the car? or you're getting ready to talk to somebody, it's that same presence. Now, let me tell you something. Let me give you a a, a definition of feeling the presence of the Lord. When you feel the presence of the Lord, it's like he comes up beside you and goes, I'm right here with you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like there is a moment, a lot of times, that there's a moment of Yes, Lord, you're here. Yes, Lord, you're here. So it's not like I have to do it on my own. I don't know how the Holy Ghost is with you guys, but I get punched in the side a lot to remind me of my mindfulness. I'm here. And I've also noticed when when he does that, a lot of times he does it because he's got something to say. He does. He's got something to say. You could be sitting out there today and feel something real like that. You look around yourself and feel it again. Then you say, was that you, Lord? Have you got something to say? He wants to say something through you. I'll help you here a little. Our biggest problem when the Lord does that and has something to say When he gets done, we want to explain what he meant. I'll let you figure that one out. When the Lord speaks, he doesn't need to be explained. Now, the Holy Spirit provides light along the path of life. The, The parable is about those that have the Holy Spirit to guide them in life, so therefore they will not be deceived. Many wonder why the five that were prepared did not share. That's a good question. One thing is that Jesus said that the bridegroom tarried and didn't arrive until uh, very late. So they weren't sure when he was coming because they all went to sleep. In those days, a small lamp carried enough oil for about one hour. That's tradition, of course, but they had a little lamp, It'd hold a little bit of oil. It would hold enough oil, hold enough oil for about an hour. So that means it didn't last very long if he was full. There again, it gives you the indication of where I get this idea. When you pour out, you can become empty. And we need more filling. Now watch this. The bridegroom tarries in Matthew 25. We do not know the day or the hour the Son of Man is coming. So the call to watch is repeated again in Matthew 24, 42. Now, while he tarried, the ten, all ten virgins had something in common, and that was that they slept. Here we see two types of sleep. Just dive a little deeper. Two types of sleep here. See if anybody's got any of this one. Unprepared sleep. Not really resting, anxious for not being ready if called. Now, this is something I can't, it's hard for me to do. The older I get, the better at it I'm getting. But it's hard for me to sleep setting up. Sitting in the seat. And uh, I've watched uh, old people not off to sleep now you don't have to be all that old to do that but it, it's known for old people because people look at you and laugh and you wonder why and say but you had you have in other words that is not a very restful sleep for me i can take a little 15 minute nap my head fall over and i can wake up and the only thing i've gained is a crick in my neck i don't feel a bit better matter of fact i feel a little worse but the truth is, that was not a prepared sleep. So that means if, if we're out of all, that means if I'm not walking in awareness of the Holy Spirit and Christ in my life, if I'm not walking this Christian life of relationship with the Savior, if these things are not happening to me, that means I have what I call an unprepared spiritual sleep. I'm going to be always anxious, and I, and I just never feel ready. Does anybody have that one? I just ne- I never feel. Now, there's another one here, prepared sleep. Knowing you are ready when called like a fireman to a fire. Your spirit man is full and ready, anticipating the wake-up call. That's a prepared sleep. A prepared sleep means you can go right off to sleep. Why? Because you've already prepared. Have you ever not completed something in the day that you just knew you wanted to complete and all of a sudden, 3 o'clock, I didn't do this, 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 this. Anybody ever? I'm not talking every night, but probably every other. (laughs) Well, that is not a prepared sleep. That's an unprepared sleep. Why? Because we didn't do everything we felt like we needed to do. That's what happens with these 10 that were sleeping. Now watch it as we move on. Even the wise probably did not have much oil themselves for very much time. In the parable, oil could be purchased at the market, although doing so took much time. Now watch this one. In real life, a last-minute dash to church really doesn't work well. (laughs) Anybody with me on that one? And we're all guilty, but but you're sort of getting what this parable is speaking about. No, I'm just going to run. I'm going to make a dash to church and get me a little bit right quick. The number 10 was symbolic of completion. The 10 virgins represented his church, the complete church. Up until that last hour, there will be five foolish virgins is the problem. Now, 10 virgins and the midnight cry, as it's called. Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, that go ye out to meet him. This says this beforehand in Matthew 24. Therefore, be ye also ready, or watching, for in such an hour as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh. Are you ready to meet him? That's a big question. Always remember, we got the temporal world and we got the, the eternal world. Eternity. One's going to burn, one's forever. Not saying we don't need to take care of things that are going to burn because we need them to sustain this body. But there's something called the life of the eternal. We're living unto the eternal on a temporal world. We'll tend to get caught up in the temporal And I know it can have spiritual meaning, but we start missing the eternal purpose. For the foolish, the lack of watchfulness reaches a point of unpreparedness. Can you get that? For the foolish, the lack of watchfulness reaches a point of unpreparedness. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Not everybody in the church is ready for Jesus' coming. And it says this in Acts 19, too. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to see that statement, Acts 19. He says, Have you received the Holy Ghost? This is a time in history, when the Holy Ghost was being introduced to people. This is uh, uh, Acts uh, 19. Give me one second here. Now, in Acts 19, we have, I'm going to see, what my storyline here here it is okay. This is about ten years. This is about ten years after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Ten years later, people are saying we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost since you believed. And they said unto him, We have not so much heard of it, whether it be a Holy Ghost. So we see that it's possible to hear in this time of history and not have heard of the Holy Ghost. Now, it just so happens being filled with the Holy Ghost is not necessarily tied to you hearing. Come on now. If it was, that would be doing it through your brain, not just the spirit. But for some reason in this example, he said, you need to hear it. So those that were going to receive it, received it through hearing. Peter, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit wasn't about our hearing. You just stood still and it come upon you. zoom, Tongues of fire, a wind, it came upon you. Here we see they had to hear about it. We got other places you got you laid hands on you to get it. You you see why I'm in this dilemma of how you receive the Holy Spirit? Some got they got some got it all when they got saved. Some didn't get it till they was baptized. Jesus didn't. Here's my point. Don't get hung up on how you get it or who got it or any of those doctrines. Just be sure you got it. That's the point. You get hung up on all these doctrines, you'll forget the point. You say, well, Alan, I don't know if I got it or not. Read the Word of God and let it pour in. If you get more of the Holy Ghost, then reading the Word of God is going to come from the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? You see, Jesus is the one that came along and baptized. Point being, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's what this idea is with the ten virgins. If you're you're sitting out here today and you said, Alan, I want more of the Holy Spirit, and it's been impressed upon me that I'm to come forward and have some of the elders lay hands on me that I might receive more of the Spirit. I'm asking you to please follow through. I beg you to please follow through. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is giving you an example of what to do. If you're sitting there today and say, well, Alan don't understand, but the Holy Spirit's telling me to get water baptized again to receive more of the, of his, of the Holy Spirit. Point being, do it. Some might be sitting here and say, Alan, I'm receiving a baptism of His Spirit by hearing His Word. Do it. I just want you to understand and recognize what's happening. That's all. And I also want you to understand and recognize that the Holy Spirit is a person. You're to be in a relationship with Him. And if He goes like this and says, you'll have the elders pray for you. Do I think the elders have got anything special? Actually, I do not. I hate to hurt everybody's feelings. I do not. But your point of obedience means everything. And by you doing a, a, obedience and going to the elders, then the Lord will give the elders what you need. You're the one that triggers the elders. The elders don't have anything. We don't have a thing. Until the people of God, through the power of the Holy Ghost, ask or respond. Are are you with me? Y'all heard me say a hundred times, and I know people draw up and I say it, and I'll get another call this week. I don't speak in tongues, but I've prayed for many that have. Go figure. But also, I've prayed for people and they gotten healed, and I didn't have their same disease. Okay, you'll get it in a little bit. Now, point being, it's all delivered by the Holy Ghost. It's nothing to do with a person. But I believe in tongues. I believe in healing. Listen, and I did not, my, my belief system didn't come through me being persuaded through my mind. My belief system came through being drugged through a briar patch by God. <laughs> And me finally deciding to jump up and walk with him, the briar patch isn't as bad if you walk (laughs) versus being drugged. And you think I'm kidding, but there's some friends in here know I'm telling you the truth. But I came to the same conclusion, just the same. Why? Because God, when I got born again, God gave me faith to believe it. And everything else in my life since then has been just like that. If somebody comes forward, Alan, I want the gift of tongues. Alan, I want to be healed. Alan, I want more of His Holy Spirit. When you say that, all of a sudden there's a faith in me that thinks, yeah, you can get it. Does that make sense to anybody? It's an operation of the Holy Spirit. Can we trust the Holy Spirit that much in this place? That's our question. I trust the Holy Ghost in you. I'm not going to judge your request. I'm going to stand in line that we can perform it, that the Holy Ghost will come and do it. Amen. and then we'll sit back and marvel at the hand of God. Yes. Pastor, I've went over. Oh, the Holy Ghost went over. I make no apologies. <laughs> Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this resurrection Sunday. Lord God. We've given your word as clearly as I know how. If there's anything I've said that's not of you, I pray it would fall to the ground. But if anything's of you, I pray that it'll be quickened to our hearts and it'll come alive. Lord Jesus, I am going to make a request because it's in my heart. I pray. I know today is a special Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday, and every day should be special, but today is really special, Lord. And I pray that your presence would explode at this place. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the hearts of your people in this place, that the hearts of your people, that the request of the hearts of your people might be filled by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we already know you're in this place. We can feel your presence. I feel uh, feel you nudging me already. And Lord, I pray that as we worship you, that your presence would go around this congregation and perform whatever you want to perform on this Resurrection Sunday. We know that you're risen because we can feel you in our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.